following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
O Lord, please renew a right spirit within me, within us. Almighty One, if we're left to ourselves, we will certainly be lost. By your power, by the power of your blood, Jesus, would you renew a right spirit in our hearts? I need you, Jesus. I need you now. I can't, I can't make it on my own. Oh, I can live this life in whatever way I can live it, but Lord, what must we do to be saved? You are the Christ, the Messiah, the only one. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, Lord, I come to you today, and I ask that during this radio broadcast you would open the hearts and the minds of everyone listening, that they would be reconciled with you today that all resistance would be broken, that all wickedness would be cast off, that you would renew a right spirit within us. Almighty One, King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm so tired of pride I'm so tired of the foolish arrogance of man's heart, especially of my own. Please, Jesus, come and renew a right spirit, a humble spirit, a spirit that waits upon you, a spirit that obeys you, Jesus that walks in love and peace and joy, in righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this blessing in your name. Thank you, my Lord. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus was in Judea. And as he began to move to his next place where the Father was directing him, a man ran up to him, a young man, we're told, ran up to him and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's no more important question that a man can ask than how he can enter into eternal life. It's the question that each one of us must ask. Don't assume you know the answer. This was a very 
smart, good businessman, extremely wealthy, a Jewish man who had kept the law. He knew something was missing. And so he came with integrity, falling on his knees before Jesus, saying, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now Jesus responded with a question, a question that is absolutely vital. This young man had called him good. Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You understand. Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler, Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know that I have the power to save you for eternity or the power to cast you into hell? Do you know who you're talking to? Did you know you are speaking to the Almighty God of heaven and earth? Do you know who you're talking to? It's important when you pray to know who you're praying to and not to be casual about that and not to just show up with questions but to show up with an understanding in your heart that the one who will answer your question holds your eternity in his hands. Then Jesus moved on and said, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And very quickly, this young man, he said, Teacher. He didn't say good teacher this time. He just said, Teacher. All these I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him, and his heart was stirred with love, because here was a young man who had done all possible to be righteous before God. Jesus responds to honest obedience. He looked at this young man, and he loved him. And then he said, One thing you lack. And I'm sure as the young man heard this, One thing. I've done all of these things. Oh, but there's, there's one last thing I need to hear that I must do that I can know I have eternal life. Jesus said, Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will then have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Here's an invitation being extended to a young man 
to become a disciple, to finally be made an apostle. This young man is offered a place at the table, a place of honor and glory. He's being offered eternity. He's being offered everything that a man's heart could desire. But the man's face fell. He got up from his knees, and without another word, he walked away. And the reason he walked away is that he had great wealth, and he did not want to lose it. So now we have the stark contrast before us today. If Jesus offers you eternity, he may not ask you to give all of your money away because you may have very little. And even then you may have much, but it's not an idol to your heart. But to follow Jesus means everything else that is first in your heart must be laid aside. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and a follower of someone or something else. I heard a man say to the woman he loved, You are everything. To me. Those words pierced my heart because those are the words that I have reserved only for my Lord Jesus. I say to him many times every day Jesus, you are everything to me. He will not allow me to have anything before him. Look at the first and second commandments in Exodus 20. He will allow no other gods before him. If you are going to enter into the kingdom above, the requirement for entrance is that Jesus must be first. Jesus must be first. He walked away because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are amazed, and they say to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. 
You understand the issue, don't you? He could have said how hard it is for the man who trusts in his television to enter the kingdom of God. He could have said how hard it is for the man or the woman who trusts in their job to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is to trust your wife, your husband, your children. How hard it is to trust in them to enter the kingdom of God. The demand of Jesus is that he must be first before husband, wife, children, before your own life. He must be first, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And and Jesus says, with man it's impossible. With man it is impossible. I've talked with many who have said to me, Pastor, I, I've tried as hard as I can. I've, I've tried to keep all the commandments. I've done what Jesus has asked me, but I still, I still don't feel the peace of God in my heart. I still don't, I still don't know that I belong to Him. Why? What is it that you're holding on to? It could even be an attitude that I'm in charge. I'm not going to submit. Jesus requires absolute submission. And this is brought about by what Jesus called in John 3.16, being born from above. When a man or a woman is taken over by the power of God, as we submit, as we surrender, as we confess our wickedness, I said to a a dear woman, are you reading at least 10 chapters of Scripture every day? Are you are you feasting on the word of God? Are you are you hungry for God? And then the Holy Spirit said to me Are you reading ten chapters a day? hungering and thirsting for me. And I had to say to the Lord, Lord, I've been wasting time. Oh yes, I'm reading the scriptures, and yes, the letter of the law, yes, I'm reading the ten chapters. But I'm not feasting on the word like you've called me to. I'm packing the house. I'm I'm doing all of these things that are necessary to make the transition to a new house. I'm talking with people. I'm I'm preparing for the radio broadcast. But is the scripture ice cream to my soul? Yes. 
It has required some changes in my schedule. It's required a greater trust in my Lord. You see, it's not what we do with the world. It's what we do with Jesus. And because I've been raised to be very responsible, to do all that I'm supposed to do, I take on too much. The one ministry that Jesus has called me to, above all others, is to minister to him in the prayer closet, the reading of the scriptures, preparing for eternity. We serve a jealous God. He loves us. And he wants us. Did you know Jesus wants you? He loves you. He laid his life down for you. He doesn't want us so consumed with making money or entertainment or taking care of responsibilities. Do you remember in the parable of the of the grain or the seed that is sown in the field and in one part of the field thorns grow up? One of those thorns in Scripture is called the love of other things. Another thorn the responsibilities of life. And these choke out the word and make it unproductive. I don't want to be unproductive for Jesus, for only for only the result of obedience to Jesus will please him. Did you know, and this will sound trite, but it's not. Jesus is a real person. Jesus is real. He's a person. He's a man. He's fully God, but he's still fully man. Jesus thought you were so valuable that he laid down his life for you. And now he asks that you lay down your life for him. I've discovered that heaven is very much a mutual relationship. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. And then he turns and he says, please, will you let yourself love me so much that you will die for me? Will you put away all of those other things that consume your time and your energy? And would you, would you love me? 
Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? That's the question God is asking you today. Do you love Jesus or do you love your stuff? Your friends, your your entertainment. What do you love? This man, this rich young man, loved his treasure, which meant he loved his lifestyle. He loved his social position. He was not about to give up his social position with all of his beautiful stuff and all of his parties and all of his righteousness. He was not going to walk away from that and become a follower of an itinerant preacher. He didn't recognize Jesus as God. He just thought he was a good teacher. Are you willing to go where Jesus sends you? Are you willing to give up your lifestyle? Are you willing to put your survival on the line by following Jesus? There's a passage in Second Corinthians. I want to read it for you. It's so powerful. Chapter 5, Second Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. We are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. I mean, you hear what he's saying. Paul is saying that when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, we all died. What's he mean? He means that we all were sentenced to death when Jesus died. That you have a sentence of death on your life. When Christ Jesus died, the sentence of death was passed on all men because all sinned. Therefore, a sentence of death was passed because Jesus had died. Verse 15, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for everybody. Everybody died when Jesus died. Oh, we're, we're alive, but the sentence of death, as surely as I speak to you, as surely as you hear me right now, there is a sentence of death on your life. And can I tell you? Watching the news will not take away that death sentence that is on you. Some of you pride yourself in knowing all about everything in the news, in the politics. None of that will mean that you are saved. There is a sentence of death. Politics cannot save you. The news cannot save you. A wife or a husband, a girlfriend, 
A boyfriend cannot save you. Making money cannot save you. Getting that college degree cannot save you. There is a sentence of death upon your life. Getting that doctorate cannot save you. There is a sentence of death upon you for your sin. And when Christ died, he died for everyone. And you can only be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want to press it just a step further. I used to teach that you were saved by a relationship with Jesus. And that's true. But it doesn't draw the circle tight enough. You are saved by being crucified with Jesus and by obeying his word. You're not saved by works. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ as you are crucified with him and you are transformed into his likeness. It's not the same as forming a relationship with another human being where you have a mutual understanding that you both will mess up, but you've decided that you're going to have unconditional love for each other. That's not what the deal is with Jesus. You have to be crucified. You have to be you have to die to this world because there is a sentence of death upon you. And you either are going to die now by being baptized and crucified with Christ, or you will die in the end as you are cast into the fires of hell. That's why I come today begging you to be reconciled to Jesus. We should no longer live our lives for ourselves, but we live our lives for Jesus who died for me. He was raised again. You see, the sentence of death is upon us. But there is a way we can enter into a resurrection. And we're not resurrected with the same body that we have now. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We must be given a new body. More real, even though a spirit body, more real than this body of flesh that I dwell in today. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't look at one another. We don't look at the world in the way we looked at it before as a place of sustenance, a place where we can work hard and we can survive. You cannot survive without Jesus because the sentence of death was pronounced on you when he died on Calvary. And now we must be crucified with him. Therefore, if anyone is in 
Christ. E-N in the Greek. We are brought into Christ when we are crucified with him. Now, some of you have tried, like the rich young ruler, as hard as you could. You've tried to control your temper. You've tried to control the lust of your heart. You've tried to control the bitter attitude and the angry thoughts. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried. And you finally, many I've heard say this, you finally have said, okay, Jesus, you're just going to have to accept me the way I am. I can't change. That's not true. If you're willing to be crucified with Jesus, if you're willing to give up your life, look, you're going to lose it anyway. Can I be that straight with you? You are going to lose your life. You're going to die for eternity if you're not crucified with Christ. That's why I come today with a great beseeching in my heart, begging you to be reconciled to God. It's your only way of escape. You cannot escape the sentence of death that is upon you because of your sin by some half-hearted, okay, Jesus, I'll accept you. No, the question is not, will you accept Jesus? The question is, will Jesus accept you? And the answer is no. He will not accept you until you're willing to be crucified with him, until you're willing to give up your life. There's no room for pride in this deal. There's no room for pride of success or pride of accomplishment. I hear I hear preachers sometimes stand in the pulpit and and rave over people. What a wonderful brother this is. He's a he's a good man. No, there's only one good and that man is Jesus. We blaspheme against God by honoring one another with such words of adoration and praise. That belongs to Jesus. There's a sentence of death on me. I am dust. I am dirt. I came from dust and I'll return to dust. The question is, will I enter into the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And if I don't enter into that resurrection, I go to hell. I just went into uh, to a Fios Verizon to change the the Fios to a, a new place. I use the Fios for broadcasting. That's how I'm able to broadcast live from my studio to you in your home or your car or the internet, YouTube. And the young man who was helping me, he said, do you have only the internet? Don't you want the television too? Don't you want to get Netflix movies? I said, no. I serve Jesus. I don't have a television in my house, and I don't watch Netflix. He said, wow, what do you do for entertainment? I said, my entertainment is reading the scriptures, praying, 
He said, oh. And he, he, he screwed up his face like, oh, that's awful. You should try some movies. Oh, my brother, my sister. <laughs> Do you understand? All of that is foolishness and all of that is passing away and none of that will lift the death sentence that is upon you. So he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is God's work. You know what it means to reconcile your bank account, don't you? Some of you don't write checks, so you don't know. You reconcile your bank account by adding up everything that you've received and subtracting everything you've paid. And you reach a final balance, and then you go to the bank and you find out what they say your final balance is. And your balance and the bank balance must agree. And then you are reconciled. It's an accounting term. And Paul is saying, look, you have to be reconciled with God. And God will do the reconciliation. And at the judgment. He's going to add up what you have done and what you have said. He's going to look at your repentance. He's going to determine if you belong to Jesus. And Jesus will be the judge. He is God. He will be the judge. He knows those who belong to him. If you do not reconcile your bank account, you may overdraft. You may write a check and have it balance or bounce, and then you have to pay the fee for the bounce. Insufficient funds. I want to tell you the last thing I want to have happen in my life is to arrive at the judgment bar of God and have the judge tell me, I'm sorry, Ray, you do not have an adequate balance in your heavenly account. You do not have my grace. You do not have my forgiveness. Your bank account is empty. He has given to me the ministry of reconciliation. He's given to me the ministry of coming to you and beseeching you to be reconciled with God. And you become reconciled with God by going to the Lord who wants to reconcile you with himself in Christ Jesus. He does not want to count your sins against you. He wants to forgive you for your sins. And yes, 
one of our live chat people has said, the Lord is slow to anger and great in mercy. And that's absolutely true. The problem is, if I know that the Lord is slow to anger and great in mercy, I think I have room to play with my sin. If I say, oh, God is slow to anger and he's great in mercy, he will have pity on me. Even though I've not repented or turned away from my sin, don't fool yourself. God is slow to anger and he is great in mercy or he would have destroyed you already. And time is up. He's now calling you to be reconciled to himself. He has called me as an ambassador. And can I be very straight with you? Every Christian is called to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And if you are not reconciled with God, you cannot be an ambassador. You still have a sentence of death upon your life. So today I come imploring you, beseeching you, begging you on Christ's behalf. Would you be reconciled to God? Will you get everything taken care of? Don't be smug in your attitude. Don't be arrogant in your heart. Humble yourself before Almighty God. Confess that you have tried and tried and tried and you've been unable to break through. And now ask God if he will break through for you. Ask God if he will send his Holy Spirit to pull you through the impossible place that you cannot break through. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now we have to go quickly to look at this word that we might become the righteousness of God. How are we to become the righteousness of God? Now the word in the Greek here, is G-H-I-N-O-M-A-H-E-E, Jehonami. What does it mean? That's the word in English from which we get the word generator. It produces electricity. This word, become, means that God in his mighty power will generate in us righteousness. It's not self-work. It's not my work. It's God's work to do it in us. If I make the decision and I say, God, come and reconcile me to yourself, Jehonami kicks in and we become the righteousness of God because God is in the business of imparting real righteousness to those who will be reconciled with him. 
Is that not awesome news? Please, please, please don't walk away from God and say, Ah, oh, Pastor, I've, I've tried my hardest and I can't do it. Of course you can't do it. You weren't supposed to be able to do it. This is a work of God in your heart. But as you come to him and you say, Lord, I can't do it. And I'm sorry. And I have offended you. And I have given myself over. And I've tried so hard. Lord, would you come and reconcile me to yourself now? I give up my life. I give up me. As God's fellow workers, chapter 6, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. God will help you. He will do it in you. And then, I want to read verse 17 to you. This is 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. In other words, turn off that which is of the world and the flesh and the devil. Turn off. Turn off the entertainment. Turn off the gaming. Turn off the worldly things. Be separate. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Don't tell me you can't leave your sin. You can leave your sin, but you cannot do it in your flesh. It must be a divine work of God in your heart and in your life. It is a reconciliation done by Almighty God for you. It is a miracle of grace. It's the most awesome gift a man or woman can receive. But like the rich young ruler, if you lust after your success and you lust after your money and you lust after... You lust after the world. And you must have what you must have. You will walk away and you will not be reconciled to God and there is a sentence of death on your life. There is no possibility of that sentence of death being removed from your life. There is a 100% mortality rate. There's not one chance that that death sentence can be lifted from your heart and from your life except by being reconciled by God through Jesus Christ, and made into a new person. It means that rough, hard attitude must go. 
It means the anger has to be given over to Jesus. It means your security and your money must be given over to Jesus. It means you cannot hang on to your life. You're going to have to give your life up to Jesus and let him spend you as he chooses. My late wife used to say to me in the prayer closet, she'd say, Ray, let's pray and let's say, Jesus, spend us however you want to. And I'd say, yes, let's do that. And we would pray, Jesus, please spend our marriage. Spend us in any way you choose. And as she lay dying with cancer, she said to me, I didn't know when I said that, Ray, that he would spend me with cancer. Ray, at, at my funeral, would you say to the people, the Lord gives and the Lord takes, blessed be the name of the Lord. She was willing to have her life spent as Jesus desired. Are you? Are you willing to be reconciled to Jesus Christ, to put away your foolishness and your worldliness, your anger, your bitterness, your, your gossip? You're running after all of the information of the world as though that would make you something or somebody? Are you willing to give up all of that and just say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. We are one. We are together for eternity. And I look forward to my resurrection day. I eagerly await my resurrection. Then let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. This is what God will do for you. Almighty God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening today. I pray, Lord, that they would be willing to come and be baptized in your Holy Spirit and be made new, that they would surrender. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray today that the message has been helpful to you and that you will check your life carefully to make sure that you are feasting on Jesus and that you are reconciled with God. I want to thank each one of you who has given so kindly. I go to the post office every day and check for your letters. And I look every day at the internet to see if any have gone online. And one brother went on this morning and gave $300. Thank you, my dear brother, Kirk. Thank you. 
You can write to me by writing to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And tomorrow, I'm going to ask that everybody who's on the YouTube jump on and let me know where you live. Just say your name, your first name, and your state where you're from. I'd like to know who's listening. Because then I'm going to go through and I'm going to pray for each one of you. I thank you for walking with me. You are, even though I haven't met most of you in person, you are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love you. So write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box, 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner. Please subscribe. We're at 475 subscriptions. I'm eager to get to that 500 mark. So please subscribe to our channel if you listen regularly. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray you're reconciled to God today. I'll talk to you soon.